Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. He's gone, fam. The uh, the boogeyman, the most evil man on the planet, Chuck Fletcher, is out. And uh, apparently all the bad moves that have been made over the past couple of years are all his fault. And nobody else had anything to do with it? I don't know. We'll get into it all. Uh, let's just get the show started. Kelly Hinkle's already cracking up. Uh, the fly by herself. What's up, Hanks? Remember the episode of Seinfeld where they said the, the boogity man? The boogity man? <laughs> Skip me. I'm apparently right. on one right now. Uh, and a train is the train is 45 minutes late and it's now or like an hour 15 late now coming by my house in the middle of recording it sounds like it's crashing through my house uh let's go to the athletic.com's charlie o'connor i get the sense that my current like mindset right now is completely different from you two guys who are apparently like giggling like crazy i am i am very much in like just end the season i want to die mode and i get the what? sense that i get the sense charlie that, like, the I season's over what's that oh no it's the not over. over it's very much not over <laughs> there's another month it's of been this. over it's been over since it started not you just gotta it. disconnect yourself yeah i'm not really allowed to do that you know just mail Listen. it in no one will know no no they'll know they'll definitely know like Give would like you a fifty percent effort? Would you prefer to go to an office job and do spreadsheets and talk to people all day and then go home and watch the Flyers, Charles, or do you have it not so bad? I not mean, so bad. I I agree. I don't have it that bad, but I will say that I am completely burnt out at this point, especially after the last three weeks of the trade deadline, road trip, Chuck Fletcher getting fired. I just want to sleep a lot. It's coming, Charlie. Great, fam. You're gonna have the entire you're gonna have the entire Stanley Cup playoffs to, to sleep to through. Sleep. Uh, as as the Flyers get as the Flyers navigate. As the Flyers navigate to their uh, fourth time in three seasons, uh, ending the year without a uh, postseason. Good for them. Good job all around. Um, no high-end talent, no playoffs, no problem. Of course, it is a problem for Chuck Fletcher. He's gone. We oh. did, like, an instant reaction show. What was it, Friday? W- w- when did he Friday. get fired? What the- it Jesus, Friday, it yeah. feels like a month ago, with the- and it was a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, but the-, the stories are coming out now of disconnects in the front office, of course. Long rumored uh, that that has been the case. I mean... We can go back to we can go back to the you know 
immediate aftermath of the Ron Hextall firing when all of a sudden the the Flyers media machine was really starting to get it pumping that, oh no, this was all Ron, and we, our guys wanted Kale McCarr. Uh, trust yeah. me, it's true. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I believe Nothing that. Bob um, Clark, like a small, fast <laughs> defenseman. <laughs> truly uh but now it's it's we're, we're just hearing all sorts of bullshit coming out about the flyers charlie o'connor our guy connected on the inside with all the sources etc uh chuck just what your burnout what has this what has it been like for you since friday well i mean it happened while i was still in raleigh so i was writing all day friday while also traveling from raleigh to philadelphia to get back home um so yeah it's been it's been a weekend. Um, I I guess I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of this that is very much like I don't really know what else to say. Like it seemed like everyone wanted to fire Chuck Fletcher in terms of the fans, and then they fire Chuck Fletcher, and everyone's still mad. So that's exhausting. Um, that said, I mean, look, I think what what really happened here was that everyone with decision-making power in the organization kind of came to the conclusion that Chuck was getting let go at the end of the season that, and I think this is something it was kind of based on the people I talked to, this was kind of a given months ago, you're dating back to like December that Chuck probably was going to get let go at the end of the season. Um, I strongly tried to hint that um, quite a lot over the last few months it didn't seem like anyone really believed me. Um, maybe because everyone just got this idea in their heads that the Flyers were never going to fire him because all that we are capable of doing is being miserable. Um, that said, like it was going to happen. I think really what went down was that after the trade deadline, like the fan base had always been angry. It reached an entirely new level of anger after the trade deadline. And then the national media started picking up on it. And I think people in ownership were just like, well, if we're going to do it anyway, why don't we just do it now? Like what, like, let's just like, let's just cut the cord. Like it's over. We might as well just do it now. So like, how can they not come to that conclusion sooner? If they're going to do it, why? allow him the opportunity to fuck up the trade deadline. See, that's well, where my anger comes from. Well, well and it I, speaks I think, to the complete lack of a plan. Well, I think, honestly, the the answer that I gave that was kind of a joke actually had some truth to it, which was the reason why they're not firing Chuck Fletcher for the trade deadline is because they know that Chuck Fletcher won't do anything substantial at the trade deadline. And mm. they kind of realized that, like, all right, all that's really going to happen is He's going to sell off the expiring contracts. They're not going to trade Kevin Hayes. They're not going to trade Ivan Perovov, in part because Chuck Fletcher probably flat out told them that it's highly unlikely it's going to happen. Also, in part because they watched Chuck Fletcher for five years, and they know that Chuck Fletcher doesn't have the like the creativity slash the connections, I guess, slash just the, you know, the mindset to do something crazy at the trade deadline. So they figured, and that's the, well, since, he's not, and, well, and, and I mean, my argument a month ago was like, but that's part of the reason why you probably need to go in another direction because they need someone with that creativity. But their thought process was like, well, what's the harm? And then when they ended up looking dumb anyway, it was like, all right, well, I guess we should just cut the, cut the cord now. 
It's just, it speaks to the complete lack of a plan. Substantial moves are needed. Like, no, they don't have a Peter Forsberg this time around. But the season not mattering and all the bullshit of this is an off-season problem, like, they got ahead of it in 2007, starting at the trade deadline, and it greased the wheels for everything else moving forward. Yeah, they're, they're able to go out and get Danny Breer in the off-season. That's huge. You're able to make trades. You flip the you flip the pick back to Nashville. Everything like that. But just, like... If he, okay, well, he's not going to be able to fuck it up too bad. Yeah, he's never done anything. He's never going to do anything substantial because he never has. Substantial moves are necessary. How is it, okay, this is the end. Like, why not keep him till the end of the season now? There's nothing else he can do. They're not making the playoffs. You can't make trades. Like, what the fuck is the point of firing him now? It's just senseless. Well, I don't so, think it's, I don't think it's senseless. I, I mean, no, it's it's fine. It doesn't matter. But like, you want the new guy to come in and be able to do something. You can't do anything right now. So, can I give you a theory that a friend of mine posited that I thought was kind of interesting because it's not something that I thought about? Is it possible that they didn't want to fire Chuck Fletcher a week, a week and a half before the trade deadline because? Doing that essentially sets Danny Breer up for initial failure. Like, in that short amount of time, he's probably not going to be able to get anything substantial done. And so then you have a situation where you've kicked off this guy's tenure on a bit of a down note because you fire Chuck Fletcher a week and a half before the trade deadline, fans are all riled up and they're like, hell yeah, stuff's going to happen. If he can't get anything done... Now everyone's pissed off at Danny Briere, and Danny Briere is going to be the GM for a little while. So is it possible that maybe they were just like, listen, we know we can't fix this problem at this trade deadline. Everything's fucked. We know we're going to fire Chuck Fletcher. Let's just leave him in through the trade deadline, see what happens. We're going to fire him anyway, and at least that way we're giving Briere a whole bunch of time leading up to the draft and free agency and all that shit to get his ducks in a row. And then he can start off as the guy in charge. So my, my answer to that is I think there's a little bit of truth to that, but I don't think that's the answer because I don't think they ever, like, I don't think it was ever even a consideration really to fire Fletcher like a week or two before the deadline. Like obviously fans just wanted to fire to me. Like, the, the last time they really considered firing Fletcher was in December, and that was the time to do it. It was right after the 10-game losing streak. The, the season was, the, like, it, it wasn't getting salvaged. It was over. They were five, they're only five points out of the playoffs. They were only five points out of the playoffs. Spot. <laughs> they would have had, and Briere or whoever would have had months to prepare for the trade deadline had you done it then. They chose not to do it then because I don't think they were— I think at that point, ownership had not yet fully come around. They were still grabbing on to the last throws of the plan, and they were hoping against hope that they could be convinced they wouldn't have to rebuild. I think what happened was around late January, early February, is when they finally, as a whole, in terms of Comcast and ownership and whatnot, there was an organizational pivot of like, yeah, we're going to rebuild. That's what we have to do. So then they released the Tortorella letter. Okay, that happens in early February. That's the first moment where you hear like, all right, it looks like the organization is coming around on the idea of a rebuild. I, I think Bill was like, well, it doesn't matter if it's not coming from Dave Scott. And I said, Bill, 
they wouldn't have released a letter to all season ticket holders if it wasn't coming from Dave Scott and ownership. That was the first thing. I oh, no, think, I believe it. It just it just it's just nonsense. I I like, I, I that's I fine. Think, I think the fact what, that they didn't know until a week ago they weren't like that Chuck Fl- they're idiots like all this is telling me is that they're dumb they, they thought a month yeah. ago maybe the plan was still gonna work that means they're fucking stupid like well, they, they don't were, know what they're doing well, Danny Breyer's gonna fail too they were hoping against hope that they could be because they really didn't want to rebuild and it was like because they, they know that and this is gonna happen like they know that if they rebuild and this is what they're gonna do like the Wells Fargo Center is going to be pretty empty for two, three years. I know it was already... I don't know about that. No, no, it is. Oh, oh it, it, it... Like, people might be a little bit less mad on social media. Tickets are not selling. It's just not going to happen. It's Every game I've been to, there's been more people there than I expect there to be. They're yeah, averaging 17,000 this year. They're, yeah, it's the which, second which year is, in a row. They're yeah, horrible. Yeah, which is like 26th in the league. Yeah, like, it's not good, but I'm, it's not like... It, it's not Florida Panthers well, I mean, level. Well, I mean, when I say... Look, when I say that, like that arena is going to be empty. I'm talking in relative terms. Like, okay. no, there's never going to be a situation where there's 4,000 people in that arena as much as angry fans on Twitter would like to hope that there was a situation there were 4,000 people. Like, no. that doesn't happen in professional sports in North America. It just doesn't. So, like, yes, there will be people in the arena. There's just going to be a lot less and they're not going to be making a lot of money. They really don't want to do it. And now they understand they have to do it. I think one of the reasons, though, why... Fletcher was fired when he was fired. Part of it was just, you know, we're sick of this. He's gone. The fans are real mad. Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick are talking on national podcasts about the Flyers being in disarray. We need to do something because now suddenly this isn't just a local story. I do think it was in part this, though. It was a really, really big deal for ownership internally to come to the decision that they were rebuilding. They, this was something that they had pushed back against for years, that we're not going to do it, we don't want to do it. Then they decided to do it. And I think there was a hope on their side that, like, people would be happy about it. That they would get some pats on the back, like, good job, you guys finally made the decision to rebuild. You pushed off, you pushed against that organizational inertia, and you've done it, you're going to rebuild. And all that happened was that people just got more angry and they realized that even if they are admitting they need to rebuild, that as long as Chuck Fletcher is the messenger for the message that we're going to rebuild, people aren't going to give us any credit whatsoever whatsoever for making this adjustment, this very honestly, very big organizational adjustment that people are just going to get more and more mad that Chuck Fletcher is still there. So if we want to get any credit whatsoever for admitting that a rebuild needs to happen, it needs to come with the firing of Chuck Fletcher because no one's going to cut us any slack until he's gone. I think that was a, and and that was something they weren't aware was going to be the case until around the trade deadline when Chuck Fletcher showed up in front of the trade. Why are they so unaware? Yeah, do they not Why do these Where do these people live? Like, what do they think is going on with this team? Like, they're in a fucking fantasy land. Well, so, I've well, never heard well, anything well, like this. Well, they well, want credit. They want credit for coming to the conclusion that 2 plus 2 equals 4. I don't know. 
two and a half billion years into the the fucking earth existing like uh, everyone came to this conclusion before you and you want credit for it well, well like, bill bill, it's bill like, here's here, here's my question though okay so like and and maybe the answer maybe the answer is just there is no way but like like what would make you not mad nothing like fire and, 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 everybody and, and, and if the as answer, a start and if the answer is nothing, that's fair. That like things are just so bad that like honestly, Comcast is just going to have to take their medicine. That like people yeah. are going to be pissed at them for two years. Like, and that's fine. Yeah, but, ultimately, like, ad, but like, ultimately, ultimately, the answer is good hockey team. But come to these conclusions sooner. Let me know that you're not fucking stupid. That's the start. Because this is all. Everything you're saying is coming off as these people lack intelligence. Like it's scary now that these people run everything. And I've said all along, Chuck Fletcher isn't the problem. He's the symptom. He's a symptom of the problem. He got a job because he's Bob Clark's friend. Bob Clark is still a senior advisor. Bill Barber's hanging around. All these fucking guys who've done nothing but contribute to the degradation of this once proud franchise are still making decisions. And until none of them are around, they get no praise for coming to conclusions that a couple of podcasters came to two years ago. I just don't, I don't fully understand how this operation could be so insular and so navel-gazing that just now, at the trade deadline, or a little bit before, is when they figured out that no one trusted Chuck Fletcher to lead the rebuild. Like, I don't expect that Bob Clark is listening to this podcast or Bob Clark is reading comments on Twitter. I, I don't expect that to happen. I do, however, expect a group of hockey executives to, to be, like, at least one finger is plugged in to what's happening, like, in hockey generally and it's been like a year that the Flyers have been an absolute joke, not just in the local media, not just on social media, like nationally, everywhere. Forget like, the how fans. How do they not know? Forget the fans and the media. How do these people who see the results, like the, the, the standings are widely available, the results of each game, the box score, it's all available. How are they still thinking, oh, maybe Chuck Fletcher's the guy? Like, how did they come to this conclusion? It's, it's asinine. Uh, it's, it's the, this is the least functional, uh, organization in all of North American sports, save maybe the Washington Commanders who are about to be sold. So guess what? They don't qualify. Like, so that, I, this is, that, this is insanity. Yeah. See, I, I guess, said. I guess this is where I like, and maybe this is part of the reason why I've been so frustrated over the last couple of days. Like, I guess I don't understand why Chuck Fletcher got fired, which is what everyone wants, and somehow people seem more mad. So here's it's the thing. Wild I'm, to I'll, me. It's fucking I'm wild gonna answer, to me. I'm going to answer that question for you, Charles. I don't think people are more mad. I think maybe you're reading the comments and the people that talk to you on social media are dickheads because they have nothing else to do with their lives besides at you on Twitter. But I, I do think that there was some surprise that it was just that one announcement. I think that people kind of expected or at least wanted a little bit more. And the organization 
you tweeted some things, other insiders tweeted some things, the organization has said some things that kind of suggest this is not the only thing it's, that's it's, going to change. It's not. It's not the only thing. Right. But I think that the issue is that people in their heads. They've earned zero benefit of the doubt. There's, Show there's me that. or it's not real. And, it, and and at this point, like two years ago, we were the only ones shouting about this and people thought we were idiots yelling about the fact that Bob Clark is the one ruining this franchise. Over the course of the last couple of years, it's become kind of common knowledge that the biggest issue with the Flyers front office is the advisory team that is, I'm not going to say pulling the strings, but giving way too much input into what's going on in the organization. And I think that people knowing that now see Chuck Fletcher get fired and see the guy that's been hanging around with this group of assholes for the last couple of years get put into his place and think, why should I think anything's going to change? Until they do the rest of it, why should I think anything's going to change? And I think that was kind of the initial reaction. That said, over the last couple of days, I do think that people are coming around to the idea that things are going to change and you kind of like chill on the intense hatred of the Flyers organization for now. Well, I don't get the sense Bill has that feeling. <laughs> I have no reason. I have no reason to believe things are going to change until they change. Let Why would I? They just hired a GM who played for the team. Their fucking pool was guys we know. Once again, that's it. That's the only pool they pull from. Guys we know. And until that, like maybe Danny Briere's great, but the fact that there's no other pool, guys we don't know who might be good, I have no reason to believe it. Like, it's just the same shit. I mean, but I do think, and this is like, I mean, maybe I'm projecting. I do think that when we get around to this summer and they start announcing things like so-and-so retiring or so-and-so taking a step back or whatever, I think that you and people who are as worked up as you still are will start to maybe think that something might change. It's just that I think that people wanted wholesale immediately fire everybody. And when that didn't happen, it was kind of just like, well, why the fuck should I believe anything's going to change? They did the easiest thing and they did it, I don't know, a year after everyone else came to the conclusion it needed to be done. And now they're telling us these other things need to, maybe they will and that'll be great. But this is not an organization that seems to have a clue of what it's doing. No, And until right. they demonstrate that they do, I'm not going to pretend that I should give them that Here's luxury. Thing- oh, oh no, yeah, no, everything's good now. No, they're no. fucking horrible. They've made, they've missed, they've been to the playoffs four times in 11 years. This is a garbage organization. Okay, here's the thing, though. We all know what needs to happen in order for things to get better. We can argue to death that they should have done it a year ago, or two years ago, or never should have hired him. What the fuck ever? Firing Chuck Fletcher is a thing that they needed to do to embark on the road to improvement. Are there other things that need to happen? Sure. But, like... You can't really be pissed off that they fought. Like, okay, they should have done it a year ago, but they didn't. No, it's great they did that it now. They fired now him. is good. So, like, good job. Yay! Yeah. No, like everyone. Ev- when I learned to tie my shoes in like the third grade, two years after everyone else, no one threw me a fucking party. That's all they I'm saying. Have. Like, they sit here and want to have a goddamn. Oh well, we wanted credit not- for doing it. You're a fucking idiot, then. 
No, I don't think I don't think anyone's saying that they should be like heaped with praise because they fired <laughs> Chuck Fletcher. But I do think that you can I think that you can allow yourself to admit that the franchise has come to the conclusion that wholesale change is needed. And yes, they have to prove to us that they will execute that change well. They have to prove to us that they're going to put people in place that can move the organization forward. They haven't done that yet. But they are moving in that direction. So you can allow yourself to think that, you know, brighter days are ahead. Like, it's okay to not be so mad (laughs) i think is charlie's point yes i think that's letting them off the hook until they do something good i'm not gonna say they did anything good you fired a bum congratulations you hired that's good but that's good same people hired him but that's good good, though it's good way to go him way to go you're back to even you didn't do anything good you're just not bad anymore like you're no longer even. I don't even you're know just if neutral. they're back to even. Yeah, they're definitely they're not back to yet. even. One point I will I will make. I want to make this about the senior advisors thing because my understanding is that there is definitely a belief that things need to change in that regard. That said, and this is some sometimes where I think we can get caught up in a little bit of a bubble. You know, us and people on social media and whatnot. Like, yes, there needs to be changes with regards to the senior advisors. They're, they they cannot, like, Bob Clark was the one who basically got Chuck Fletcher hired. Paul Holmgren was the one who got Ron Hextall fired. Like, they cannot continue to have this kind of power and whatnot. However, they are still, like, franchise legends and some of the best players and best people that have been around this organization for years. Like, you don't just fire them all in a purge. Like, y- you gotta... If you're going to cut ties with them and basically shuffle them off to the back room where they just show up in, you know, like these great, like, look at how great these alumni were in their day. Like, you don't just fire them under the cover of darkness on a Friday morning. Like, it needs to be done with a little bit more grace. So, like, they were never going to stab Bob Clark in the back at 1 a.m. on Friday. It was never going to happen. It never should have happened because as angry as people are about the fact that he's influencing the team, like, he's still Bob fucking Clark. You don't do that. Sure. Sure. And that gets back to the bigger picture of, no, you can't do it then, but, I don't know, maybe it should have been done at some point in these last 40 years? I don't know. Yes, but they didn't. But if they The fact that they're in this position... But the fact that, like, the people that put them in this position are the ones who are going to get them out of it? What? <laughs> Why should I believe that? I mean, well, they're... Yeah, I mean, I don't... rumors that, like, Dave Scott's going to... Well, and, and I think down. that's on the table. You know, Dave's not young, and it does seem like this there Dan Hill... could Hel- be. It does seem yeah. like this Dan Hilferty guy is gaining more and more steam in the organization. Obviously, Valerie Camillo's been there. It's... It's going to be an interesting next few months. Um, I really do believe that they were setting up to have a big summer of change. And then when they realized that Chuck Fletcher wasn't even going to be able to articulate a rebuild message in the short term, that like he could go out there and have said every single perfect thing in the world. And to be clear, he didn't. I mean, he still found ways to toss a couple things in there that fans got real angry about. 
like that whole what like what do you say like the, we're like the fifth most improved team in hockey or something sure did yeah like that was a by thing. points percentage by which points is important per- by points percentage <laughs> so like once they realized that like okay we've we've come around on the idea we need to rebuild we had chuck fletcher go out there and say that he was going to that we're going to rebuild and everyone just like we're like well fuck that guy you can't you can't make this change and and have chuck fletcher still out there they were like all right chuck sorry it's over you're gone that's what i think happened like that guy went to harvard he doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground like oh well we're the fifth most don't say that how like how how did you get into Harvard? That's like it's supposed to be for you know the the idiot kids of rich parents and also very smart people. And I I, I, I never heard the of idiot. the like I think he who's the idiot kid of a rich parent? <laughs> were were Chuck? Fl- I don't know Chuck Fletcher's parents. Were they like senators or something? His like, dad's like a a legendary general manager. Yeah, Cliff, is he Fle- not? Yeah, Cliff Fletcher is like a legendary yeah. GM. Yeah, sure but since when does that? I'm just mean like for Harvard purposes. I don't know. It's like a pretty. For, it's like, it's a pretty cool essay story, right? Yeah, I guess. Right, whatever. Anyway, so Chuck Fletcher is gone. Um, wh- <laughs> like, I don't even. Ding dong. Do you wh- what? What can Danny Briere do between now and th- and when you're allowed to actually do shit? Like, very, what is it that he can do? He can't do anything. Yeah, very little. I mean, the, the main thing that I think is going to happen over the next couple months, you know, before the active part of the offseason occurs. I think, number one, Danny Breer will ultimately get the GM job. That seems like it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I guess there's, there's, a, there's a world where they have an interview with someone who is better suited for the GM job, who blows them Hell's the hell— gate. Who blows them the hell away, and they're like, "Okay, well, he wouldn't work as president, so Danny's got to be president, and this guy's got to be GM." But beyond that happening, it sure as hell seems like Danny Breer is going to be the GM. That's what I've heard from the people I talk to that would know. It just seems like everybody is talking and approaching this as if Danny Breer is the GM. And I do want to make a point about the Breer GM possibility. Um, one of the things that really, I think, has led to the dysfunction of the Flyers over the last bit, basically ever since Ed Snyder passed away, because Ed Snyder was his own entity. Re- I, you know, honestly, let's go even further back. Ever since Ed Snyder got sick, ever since Ed Snyder was not able to be around all the time. Once he was no longer Ed Snyder, the guy we see representing the team on television all the time, you know, exactly. like exactly. giving interviews, yes. saying shit, like basically telling you he's going and getting briz like that Ed Snyder. Yeah. That Ed Snyder who like a, a reporter could call up and go into Ed Snyder's office and Ed would yeah. rant 20 minutes about how angry he was. That the team lost on Wednesday. Um, once that was dead, <laughs> what you ended up having was you had two sections of the organization that were completely like they were basically in their own two worlds. You had hockey operations, which had was you could argue it was run by at the very least all of the old school flyers people had their fingerprints all over everything. Even when Ron Hextall was there and he like kind of closed everyone off, like Paul Holger was still the president. You know, all those guys were still around. You still had guys in that on that side who 
had been with the team for decades in scouting positions, in training positions, in equipment positions, all that stuff. So you had that. You had Hockey Ops, which was the old school. I mean, and the whole reason why they brought back Ron Hexel is because they thought he was one of them. The reason why they got rid of him is because they realized he wasn't. Like, that was their domain. And then you had Comcast. You had Comcast Spectacore, which was no longer really being hands-on run by Ed Snyder. And then when Ed Snyder passed away, it wasn't being run by him at all. So you had these two sections of the organization that were very much not working in lockstep at all. The reason why I think they like Danny Breer, and by they, I mean ownership. I do not think at this point that in this process that the old school hockey men really have any power at all in terms of the decision right now. Now, the reason why I think they like Danny Breer is because Danny Breer, despite the fact that he is obviously a former flyer, despite the fact that he has that, you know, he played for the team and everybody knows him. And I, I think that is absolutely a strike against him. It's a reason to be skeptical because he is just another flyer. However, the difference between Briere and, say, like, you know, somebody who played with Paul Holmgren in the 80s or whatever is that Briere really, more than being an old-school Flyers guy, he's more of a Comcast guy. So mm. he was hired originally by Comcast to run... You're just making people excited now, Chuck. <laughs> to run the main Mariners, okay? Yeah. To run the main Mariners. The main Mariners were never affiliated with the Flyers. They were always affiliated with Comcast. Comcast owned the team. But it was not like Maine was the ECHL affiliate for the Flyers. This was a Comcast operation. So Briere ran that. Then Briere went to Wharton to get his advanced degree. And that, my understanding in part, was because Comcast was like, you should do this. Like people like Valerie Camellia were like, this is a good idea. You should do this. So despite the fact that he is a Flyers former player, he is someone who Comcast feels like is more in tune with them. And I think the hope here is that Briere, by Briere being the GM, that he will be able to have the business and ownership side and the hockey ops side be far more on the same page rather than it being one side in Voorhees that's all the old hockey men and one side at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia that's the business side that doesn't seem like they have any clue what's really going on on the hockey side. So I think that's one of the reasons why the ownership, who is very much spearheading this process, likes the idea of Breer in addition to the fact that Everybody in hockey, and granted, this is hockey, so they might be wrong. Everybody seems to have a pretty high view of Danny Breer and his hockey knowledge. Seems like everybody thinks he knows what he's doing. You know what's interesting about that, Charles? The way that you described how they kind of envision him operating, it sounds more like a president than a general manager. I mean, it does to a degree, and I actually think Briere probably would be a good president, but the one aspect of this is that, number one, he wants to be GM. Number two, it seems like people in the game believe that he would be a good GM. Like, the, the main concern I've heard from people in the game about Briere isn't that he's not smart and won't make a good GM someday, it's that he might not be quite ready yet. But there seems to be a general consensus that, like, this guy is an intelligent dude who knows the game, who's open to new ideas, who's open to analytics, who views talent and skill to be how you build a team, not you don't build a team around fighters and bullshit. Like, 
people seem to have a high opinion <laughs> of his hockey knowledge. And I think that's why they're looking at it as like, well, we've got this guy who everybody seems to think is a smart hockey guy who we also have a relationship with who isn't beholden to the Clarks and Holmgrens of the world. He's our guy who also knows hockey, so why not make him the GM? He's the best of both worlds. That's the way I think they're viewing it. They could be wrong, and but that's the way they're viewing it. The uh, Aside from former Flyer, the strike I would put against him is might not be ready yet. Yeah. The lack of experience. Yeah, and However, that's a very legitimate What is that, though? No, no, but that's... I'm willing to absolutely... Like, Chuck Fletcher's... Who's got more experience than him? He fucking stinks. And also, Fair. my ideal candidate is an up-and-comer from another organization, like some young analyst, some young assistant, some goddamn intern, like it's uh, Moneyball, whatever. Uh, <laughs> just some new guy. And that person, my ideal candidate, would then have the same lack of experience. So it's not like I can be like, well, he has a lack of experience, but he, you know, he walked past Rod Brendamore six times, so <laughs> I, I think he's better than than Danny Briere. Um, like, yeah. I'm willing to go, you know what, lack of experience may actually be good in this regard because it's the NHL and these people are just kind of stuck sometimes. Yeah, I mean, is I, Kelly I, I Frozen think, or is she making a, okay. No, I'm making a face. I thought I, you were making yeah. a face at me. <laughs> I mean, I think one, one of the, like, truly, really viable critiques of Briere as an option, honestly, and I've heard this and I think it's fair, it's a completely fair critique, is that, and I think, Bill, I think you've made this before, but I've seen this a lot of places, is that... Danny Briere kind of was Chuck Fletcher's understudy, and there's a yes. concern here of, like, what lessons did he learn from Chuck? Like, are they the lessons that you want him to be learning? How much, like, how much culpability, and this is the same question we have with, with Ron Hextall, to be fair. How much culpability does Danny Briere have for the moves and non-moves of the last year because he was here? And that's a fair critique. Yeah. Yeah, that's my, my, my biggest hang up my biggest worry is that if this group of people likes him that <laughs> in and of itself is for me like a little bit of like a eh, yeah and that's reasonable why do, why do they like him so much i think that is very reasonable because like would they like tulski probably not no nerd never played the game Always crunching numbers, eating like vegan. He probably eats like vegan dinners. Like they would fucking hate him, but they like Danny Briere, and it bothers me that they like him. That's the that's like and the biggest. They thing like for me. him. They like him, and he's short, which is even scarier. Mm, like if he was yeah. just six three, you'd be like, oh, they just like him because he's tall. But he's a little guy, and they like him anyway. But that's he did a do he did do the slash. He yeah, he slashed slashing. a lot. He was tough. No, no he did. He a did. Dirty, he did yeah. do the. Yeah. No, Kelly, I can I can understand <laughs> where you're coming from. Because that was my, honestly, that was my same concern, and I articulated this on the show, about Tortorella. Aside from my concern about Tortorella that, like, this is too early, you want to have a tank year, he's not going to let them tank, which, by the way, I was right on that front. However, Nailed like, what, one of my well. big concerns about, about Torts was that I think he's a good coach, but it scares me that he's exactly the kind of coach that... Clark and Holmgren and all those guys would want like like the wrong people are happy mm -hmm. about this move and that scares me you know what I mean mm -hmm. and I think you're expressing that same trepidation about Breer that the wrong people are happy about this move yeah I want to um 
I, I want to address because I wanted to talk about the rest of the like season. I would like to address. I, I really, I, I'd like to, no, Charlie's point that uh, John Tortorella might be too good of a coach to allow them to tank. While for points of this season, that appeared true. They have lost 11 of 13. Uh, they only have two loser points in there, which is beautiful. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. <laughs> um, I, if you're going to lose, lose in regulation. Like, yes. what are we yeah, doing? Oh, yeah. No, uh, I, I, as someone right who has now, to cover these games, please yeah. lose in regulation. I do not need right more of this Flyers are, hockey. They are seventh from the bottom, but there's five points. Remember when they're five points out of the playoffs? There's five points now separating them and Anaheim from fourth worst. Yo, they can I get mean, to four. This is doable. If there's oh, no, ever been a is. better indictment, what's that? No, it's doable. I mean, you. I think the they big thing, too, there. for me is the schedule. I mean, there's yes. like, I mean, you look at it. This week they have Vegas, who's way better. You have Buffalo, who's in a playoff race and is way better. You have Carolina, who's way better. Florida, who like, okay, Florida's underachieving, but they're still better. Like, but the they're next, better, yeah. Yeah, like Minnesota, better. Detroit, okay, they yeah. beat them, so maybe that's a win. Montreal has beaten the Flyers, but like they maybe gotta that's a win. lose that Montreal then, game. Then you've got Ottawa, who is better. Buffalo, who's better. Pittsburgh just kicked their ass. St. Louis, who sucks, so they could win that one. Dallas is good. The Islanders are better. Boston is the best team in hockey. Then they get then the last two. The last two the are last the real two. big ones because you get the last two are tough. The Blue Jackets and the Blackhawks. You got it. You got to lose. But like they could, gotta they could potentially them. be like you know sixteen out of twenty losses going into those two games. Like it's this could exciting. be real. Could be real interesting going into those final two games if they just lose These the games, games. They should lose. It's it's really uh, there's never been. I, I don't think I can put any greater indictment on what Chuck Fletcher and this team uh, was built then. Right now, the Philadelphia Flyers and Arizona Coyotes are basically exactly the same. Now, the Coyotes have played one more game. Uh, both teams, the Flyers are 24-31-11. Coyotes, 24-32-11. Both at 59 points. Goal differential. Minus 48 and minus 49. They're the same as the Coyotes who don't have an arena or a practice facility. They're literally a money laundering operation. They're the Coyotes. Yeah, they're like, they're a front. They're not even an NHL team. There's 31 teams and then the front in Arizona allowing everyone to dump their contracts. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's it's pretty wild. They're the same as them. But yeah, like you look at the schedule, over their next 14 games, there are three games over their next 14 that I look at and I'm like, yeah, they can like, and like, don't get me wrong. They're going to stumble into a few wins because everyone does. But like, there's three games where I look at and I'm like, the, the win loss percentage here is around 50%, if not a little higher. There means there's 11 games that they should lose. That's a lot of, and you just said what, that they've lost what? 11 of their last 14? 11 of 13. Yeah. Yeah. Like the losses really could start piling up, especially because like, look, I like Owen Tippett. They're they're giving Owen Tippett twenty minutes a night. Like he's their he's most their best used player forward. right now. That's their best forward right now. Owen Tippett, who I'm like, we like what we're seeing. You know, you know what the crazy thing is? The hardest thing Chuck Fletcher had to do, like in terms of just like other than navigating injuries, but every team has I, injuries. I know but, what you're gonna say, and it is real funny. Trading Claude Giroux considering he only allowed them one place to trade him and had no leverage. 
He got a first round pick in Owen Tippett, who looks pretty good. Like the, he the hardest it. thing he, he actually had to might do, have nailed that one. He 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 nailed the the Claude Giroux trade. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. It's just everything else was a disaster. <laughs> like literally everything else. It's this team is um. No, like, shit, in, re- in, in retrospect, like, and I made this argument when it happened. I was like, look, like, the failure of the Claude Drew trade isn't the return. It's that they, ha- they ended up in the position where they had to trade Claude Drew in the first place. Like, that's the failure. The yeah. trade itself, yeah. like, it's not that bad of a return given the constraints that were on him. And people crucified me for it because, again, they were just mad. But, like, after seeing what the Blackhawks got for Patrick Kane in similar circumstances, like... Yeah, yeah, that Claude Giroux return looks pretty good. No, I'm glad when that happened, I wanted to bring that up, and then it was like a fucking month and a half ago at this point. So, but like, yeah, the Blackhawks were in the same situation with Kane. Now, granted, a little bit different in turn, like was eight and a half compared to ten and a half. The money's a little different. Yeah, but yeah. my God, the Flyers like made out in the Giroux trade. The the one the one gift that Chuck Fletcher gave the fans before he you know torpedoed everything. All right, um, is there anything super necessary that we haven't talked about? Like the what, only thing that I find what interesting, else? and Charles, you can probably weigh in on this. Yeah, I've had so to. like Merrick and Friedman, obviously they they deal in a lot of speculation but most of their speculation has at least a little bit of a kernel of something to it they don't just pull things out of their ass like flyers twitter insiders they mentioned today on their podcast that carter hart could possibly be shopped this summer which i think is something that previously was completely unheard of and it's something that we've kind of kicked around with on this show along with you know stuff like trading Travis Konechny and stuff um what do you think about the idea that Carter Hart could be possibly shopped this summer I think it has to be on the table Mm-hmm. It has. To, I mean, that's. I, I, I'm not going to kill them if they don't do it, but I think it absolutely has to be a possibility. You can't like if all options are on the table, you know, and this is going. That's when I was talking about what Briere can do between now and when you're actually allowed to do shit. This hadn't occurred to me, but don't shut anything down. Like if you just yeah. come out and say absolutely no chance like if he just Jeff Merrick calls up someone in the front office and they're like no 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 that will not be happening that means all options actually aren't on the table are they going to trade Carter Hart I'd be surprised should they consider it yes they should consider yeah. everything they're fucking horrible and really no end in sight to the horribleness like <laughs> you need a big you need to take several risks and have mm-hmm. some of them pay off if you are ever going to dig yourself out of this thing and not just become some also-ran franchise that makes the playoffs sometimes because everyone makes it except Arizona sometimes. And, like, you have to, if you're going to fix this thing, you have to take some risks. And just shutting anything down out of, like, right out of pocket, you can't. You cannot allow there to be any stone unturned at this point. And I know people, I I think Flyers fans specifically, 
are, I mean, with good reason, the idea of trading an actually good goaltender, since we've like literally yeah. never had one in our entire lives, is like a dicey it proposition. Sucks. But also, like, you know, if the whole team is shit, what's the point of keeping him? Like, Carey Price was with the Habs forever. What happened there? Absolutely nothing, because the team, for the most part, was shitty the whole time he was there. And then also, goaltenders are insane. It's not out of the realm of possibility that in three years, Carhartt sucks. Like, for no particular reason. He just does, all of a sudden, because goalies don't make any sense. So, like, if you don't think that this team is going to be good for three years minimum... And I think I think that's can... that's what we have to be looking at. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I need to jump back in. But, like, no, it's okay. look at it as, like, okay, in three years, would this guy make sense for the Flyers? And that has to be... So you're your, talking about... That has to be the question you're asking. On everyone. Yes, we're three years and away from three years away, Theoretically, a 20, what would we be, 27, 28, and three, 27? 27. A 27-year-old Carter Hart could still be good. He could also be bad. Like, there's literally no yeah. way to know because he's a goaltender. It's not like a forward yeah. with, like, a, an aging curve that you can predict or, like, a defenseman. Like, goalies don't make any sense. One day they're good. The next day they are bad. It could happen with Carter Hart. And... While I'm not, like, in a big hurry to trade him, the idea of it is very intriguing to me because I can't think of another move that would more firmly signal, yes, we're doing this. Uh, we're rebuilding. Gonna... Like, this is, like, there you go. Carter Hart, bon chance. Have fun wherever the fuck you're going. We need to get some picks for you because we got to do some things. Like, that's kind of, yeah. I think That's the yeah. idea of signaling the rebuild is it's definitely yeah. Would they get like the mega return? No, for see, Carter that, Hart. See that that's we... that's my main concern about about Carter Hart is that I do think there is a little bit like I think you have to if you are Danny Briere, assuming he is the one who becomes the general manager, you have an obligation to figure out what the market is for Carter Hart. You have to. You have to. But like. I'm not convinced that he would bring back a ton. That no. said, that said, and this is very, very important. Goalies like Carter Hart that are his age, that are as good as they are when he's this age, like they don't hit the market. So this is kind of mm -hmm. an unprecedented thing. So like you don't yeah. know. We don't know what he's worth, which is why Briere has to find out. Find out what teams and if, hey, if a team is willing to give you two first round picks and a you know a really good young like twenty one year old semi prospect type guy, then yeah, then fuck yeah, you got to do it because Carter has two more years, has one more year left on his deal after this one, I believe, and then he's an RFA. So like mm -hmm. he's probably going to want to raise. And this was my big thing about trading Konechny, where it's like, look, I agree that Konechny isn't that old. The problem is is that he's cheap now. When you have to re-sign him, he's going to be expensive, and you're going to have to sign him to a deal that will hurt by the time you are good again. So he really doesn't fit your timeline. I could envision a scenario where Carter Hart fits your timeline. I could also envision a scenario where he doesn't. And, yeah. and, and, and the one thing that we haven't really discussed but is a big part of this is that I don't know what Carter Hart wants. Like, if Carter Hart yeah. looks at this and says, I don't really want to be part of a rebuild— in my mid-20s, you know, and and hope, I don't want to be Claude Giroux. I don't want to have yeah. to deal with this <laughs> shit until I'm 29 on the hope that when I'm 29, we might be a contender, if that's the case, and he wouldn't really be that interested in re-signing after next season, then you absolutely have to trade him. 
And he has every right to say that. There are several teams in like mega big time win now mode that would do well to improve their goaltending. No, say say Carolina, say Carolina Mm -hmm. gets bounced in the second round again. They're not. They're not calling up. Yeah, like they're not going to call up and say, "Here's some firsts and a guy for for the last thing we need." You know, like I, I can absolutely see yeah, that. Toronto's and, there, yeah, L- LA's there. I mean, there's there's LA, teams yep. that like are kind of at that point, and if they can get a goalie who could be their goalie for the next seven, eight years, hey, you know what? There's like it, it's it's something that needs to be considered. I'm not saying it definitely has to be done. It would depend on what the return is and whatnot. But it has to be considered. I mean, to me, like, like, like I think Travis Konechny has to be traded. I don't yes. know if they're going to do it, but I feel like he has to be traded. I'm not there on Carter Hart that he has to be traded, but he absolutely, it absolutely has to be looked into. It has to be looked into. Yeah, I, uh, I hate that TK has to be traded, but he does because that's the position you're in now. Yeah, like you need, you need that, you need those, you need that return. You need that roster spot. You need that money. Like it's, well, it's, and, and it's they have that. just fucked themselves. I was talking with uh, another person, another organization, and basically the the conversation we were having was about the position the Flyers are in. And we told we talked a little bit about about this over the course of the year, but it's only going to become more prevalent now as they start actually trading away more and more vets like Kevin Hayes and Proveroff and stuff like that. One of the biggest mistakes that rebuilding teams fall into, and why rebuilds end up taking longer than they ultimately would have had to had it all been done right, is when, because you have to play someone in those minutes, someone is going to rack up points. And then you overpay to keep those guys, and then suddenly, like, when you're turning the corner, and you have, and that per, that player is ended up slotted where he should be when he's 28 years old, because you got three guys that are real good in the draft, suddenly... He's cutting into your cap flexibility because you overpaid him by $2 million a year because he's a true talent 60-point guy who got 80 points because someone had to play 22 minutes a night on this shit-ass team. And I feel like they're they're going in that direction with Konechny. And the, the, the concern I have with keeping Konechny is that you keep him for the next two years and then you give him an $8 million contract and suddenly, like, he's not an $8 million player. Yeah. But you had to give the problem. money to somebody and then suddenly your cap isn't in as good shape as you need it to be to really take advantage of the fact that you have, like, 20-year-old first-line center who's real dynamic on an ELC, but you're paying Travis Konechny $2.5 million a year more than he should be getting. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm interested in, and it's just for chaos. If they're, like, trading Konechny, awesome. Provorov, want to see that happen very badly. Kevin Hayes, it just has to happen for his, like, own mental health, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, if let, they him play, have let him play Carter with Johnny Hart, in Columbus. Yeah, that go. was what it was yeah, always like, destined to do. Exactly. Do, yes, the, do the Columbus thing. Do the Columbus. Like go move. live your yeah. college years again. Party your ass <laughs> off. Have a great time. It was supposed um, to happen in Philly. It's happened in Columbus. Yeah, it's college town. You know, it's perfect for them. Uh, I want to see Carter Hart not be traded just so I can see someone offer sheet him. Oh, yes. Hey, I, yes. I'd, be, hey I'd be fine with that because the offer sheet would be a lot of assets. All that's, those picks, the, that's, baby. 
the level the level of comp because he's already at you know basically four million like the level the amount of money and years you're gonna have to give Carter Hart it's probably more than whoever the Flyers hire as GM is able to like get in a trade because he's you're a Flyers wrong. GM yeah <laughs> so oh, that's and spicy. I just I love the chaos of all for sheets I just if find only- that. Fun. The general managers in this league weren't a bunch of cucks who will never ever do it because they are all colluding with each other to keep salaries down. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we so have yeah, anything the, else? Well, I mean, we talked about Carter. You know, TK. Yeah. The heart thing was the big one. The the big thing here for me, and this is why, like, this is why I and I in my writing, I've kind of presented this, and I don't think a lot of people are buying, but why I think it's such a big deal that the organization is accepting the fact that they need to rebuild is that it's not because they have to trade literally everyone. It's not because I want them to throw an AHL team out there and tank for three years or whatever. It's because the idea of a rebuild, it pervades every move you make. It does. Like Mm -hmm. if you are rebuilding, you don't trade three draft picks for Tony D'Angelo. If you are rebuilding, you don't trade a first-round pick and then re-sign Rasmus Ristolainen. Like, these are the moves. Like, saying that you're going to rebuild is just as important for the moves that you won't make as it is for the moves that you do make. And for the longest time, the reason why I was screaming for years that they got to stop being in this fucking middle ground is because if you're in this middle ground, you can convince yourself that those moves actually make sense when they don't. And the fact that now they have admitted they're rebuilding, Danny Breer straight up said the word, finally somebody said the fucking word, like now they can be judged by the merits of does this help the rebuild. It's not like, well, you know, they're trying to win now, so from a win-now perspective, it kind of makes sense. No, you're rebuilding. So every move you make is now judged, and every move you don't make is judged on whether it furthers the rebuild, and that is necessary clarity. They needed that clarity. At the very least now, we've got that clarity. Now, every contract extension you make, it has to, like, let me put it this way. For somebody like Noah Cates, I think Noah Cates can be part of the future. But here's the thing with Noah Cates. Noah Cates needs a new contract. You know what the Flyers should do with Noah Cates if Noah Cates is interested? Sign Noah Cates Cates to a long-term deal. And here's why. Because signing him to a long-term deal that that takes him through the entirety of his 20s, what that does is you are paying him more than he would make in the short term to have savings in the long term. Guess what? The short term don't matter. I would give Noah Cates a mil and a half more than he should be making next year to potentially save $2 million on him in 2027-28. Every move, every signing has to be done with the assumption that this shit doesn't really matter until 2027. So figure out how to get your cap in a good enough spot for then. Figure out how to get bargain contracts for then because that's when this starts mattering again. And finally, they can approach these moves with the long-term view. And that's what they have to do. Now, whether they do it right, whether they fuck up, they might because guess what? Sometimes general managers are bad. Sometimes the plan is bad. But at the very least, the overarching plan now to me makes sense. Now, the execution still has to be correct. We still have to execute it well. But at least now the plan fits the situation, the overarching plan, the overarching philosophy. 
Now we can judge their moves and their non-moves based on how it furthers that correct plan. I'm gonna and be rip. excited. I'm 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 excited. I'm I'm like looking forward to this summer now. Like things could happen. And if they do dumb it's shit, just... like don't trade Travis Connecty, I'm gonna criticize them for it. Of course. But like at least now we're all speaking the same language. And now we know that they could. Like before there was no fucking way. Now at least we know that they could make good choices. The possibility exists. <laughs> Are you telling choices. me, Kelly? Are you telling me before when they were in win now mode, so their solution was first round pick for guy with eight years in the league and zero playoff games that maybe they went like, oh, Charlie, why'd you even have to bring it up? Uh, <laughs> but it is at least at least they do have some direction. That is yes. a good thing. Yes. At least there is like Charlie. When we complain about them, we can all, compl- like, this isn't helping the rebuild. What exactly. does this have to do with four years? Exactly. Like, we can at least complain about the same thing. You guys, me and Charlie, we got Bill to come around a little bit, I think. Listen, <laughs> I never said, I never said it can't work. I'm just saying I'm not giving them any benefit of the doubt because they sound like imbeciles. When every piece of evidence is laid out, it sounds like a group of people who have no idea what they're doing. And I would like anyone out there to present evidence to the contrary if possible. Hopefully. I can't think of any. Over the next few months. Hopefully Hopefully we get some over the next few months. We get more new people, hopefully. I would I would love for evidence to be created soon, but there's none yet. Could be we'll no. see. There we could, be. could be. It could All right. The gauntlet has been thrown Wait. down, Comcast Spectacor. Make more changes, bring in more new people. Do more things. Calm more me down. Things. Yeah, have a meeting with Bill Matz. He's got some thoughts. Allow me to enjoy my summer. Wait, okay, before you wrap it up. March 26th, we will be doing a show live from the carnival. The yeah, Flyers we are. The carnival. Tank. Listen to me right now, folks listening. If you're not <laughs> going to the carnival, William Matz and Charles O'Connor will be in the dunk tank. You will be able to purchase a chance to literally dunk both of these assholes into water for charity. Tell me that's not appealing to you. I'm going to buy 100 balls and Nick miss Delorier. I, I, I told, is going to fucking dunk me. I, no, it's no, my dream. No, I, I straight up, I, I was talking to one of the equipment managers for the Flyers and I was, when, I, when I found out I was doing this, and I was like, tell the players. Like, if they want to get back at me, oh, like, God, get, yes. get them over here to dunk oh, me. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so we're giving away, actually, on our Facebook and on our Twitter feed, we are giving away a pair of tickets. So if you don't feel like paying and giving to charity because you're a cheapskate and or poor, you can win a pair of tickets from us. <laughs> and we will poor. Um, I mean, thing, I've never been. I can't afford it. It's going to be very fun. <laughs> second thing, uh, April 9th, tailgate, Broad Street Hockey Resurrection. Some people got mad at me for calling it that. I apologize for offending your lord. To Major. absolutely nobody. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's Easter. They killed us. We're coming back to life. Like, what am I supposed to do with this information? Like, I can't not make this joke. Like, what do you want from me? So, no, it April needed 9th, to be done. Yeah. April 9th, us, Clear Rum. 
I'm thinking we're going to be in either lot A or lot G along Patterson Avenue, hopefully. So if you're going to the Phillies game or the Flyers game on April 9th, look out for us. We'll have giveaways, food, drinks. It'll be a lot of fun. Philaticus on Twitter, the meat master. He will be there cooking meats. I'm like, literally, that's the only thing I care about is that I will have some of this man's brisket, some of this man's pulled pork. I'm hoping he'll bring some sausage. It's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) Drinks from clear meats on Easter. Maybe I'll bring some candy. Well, the great, the great thing is for, for people who, uh, who very much, you know, uh, follow, I mean, I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school for people who have been keeping away from the meats during Lent. This is the perfect way to break it. You can have all the good meats on Easter. For people like me, just trying to avoid their family on a holiday they don't care to celebrate. Exactly. Come to the tailgate. No downsides. No downsides, fam. (laughs) And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you know what to do. Hit that subscribe button, etc., etc. My name is Bill Matz for Kelly Hinkle for Charlie O'Connor. Have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about-